Welcome to From the Valley Podcast. I'm out here at Base Training Centre in Brindale on the north side of Brisbane. It's the 29th of May 2019. I'm here with my good friend Damien Brown. Uh, obviously wanted to come out here and say hello and get a bit of an update on your story. How are you going? Good mate, yourself? Yeah, good. Now Damien was a very early guest on the podcast, I think episode 5 from memory, so one of the first ones. We're up to episode 49 today, so it's, it's come a long way. Uh, since that time, you've, you've obviously been incredibly, uh, what's happened in your life, hasn't it? Yeah, I've been busy, actually, probably the busiest I've ever been. Which oh. is really, it's great. Um, yeah. Obviously, had a couple of uh, mixed martial arts professional bouts in Ryzen. So, Ryzen uh, Japanese promotion, I was over there. Um, listeners may have heard uh, me refer to that previously. Um, but uh, Ryzen, a fantastic, very professional uh, promotion in, in Asia, Japan and Asia. Um, and obviously a two fight uh, win streak already. Yeah, I signed, um, signed for two fights with them back like uh, maybe October last year and I won both of those. So um, we are currently in negotiations. So um, it's pretty exciting, but I'm hoping to get back in there late July, early August. So we'll, we'll see what comes of that. Yeah, so uh, New Year's Eve was the first fight. That was uh, against a, a very uh, well-known veteran in the industry, Darren Crookshank, um, uh, from Detroit, I believe. He yeah. was from Detroit, so Detroit um, came down to, I remember, uh, Hulk Hogan music. Um, but anyway, um, he got off to a pretty good start in the fight, but great uh, finish, and uh, obviously uh, he got him in a perfect spot in, uh, to the latter part of the first round. Uh, got him in the guillotine choke. Could not move, could not get out tapped reasonably quickly so a great start very happy and that sort of puts your name out there again in the in the lightweight division in the mixed martial arts world yeah world look, world. I'm, not, I'm not sure if people actually give out enough credit really that fight I mean obviously you do yourself but a lot of people don't realize that he's fought like Edson Barbosa Michael Johnson like still current to this day top 15 top 10 UFC lightweights and held his own too um, and held his own and he's on a good win streak in the UFC when he matched up with those guys. So he he's no slouch, man. He, he's a very credible opponent. And I'd say arguably probably the biggest name could have got outside the UFC. I believe he was on a four fight rising win streak as well, going to finish, your finish streak as well. So all finishes, uh, finishing guys like Brent Dow, uh, putting them to sleep and whatnot. So, um, you know, very, very uh, worthy fight. And he obviously came, came up with the goods and very excited, a great journey. And then, it was a case of, you know, obviously looking to, to try to book in the next uh, event, the next fight, which yeah. didn't happen until April, so. Yeah, which was their next card. Um, so they backed me up pretty quick, um, three and a half months later, which was which was nice. Um, you know, that's obviously what we pushed for. It was, it was a good break and coming off that New Year's win, I guess it was a good thing for them to, to try and use the momentum from that and they matched me up against an undefeated Japanese guy. And so it's pretty difficult when you're in an, un, an unknown sort of, uh, obviously you can do as much research as you can online with these guys, but this guy was eight or nine wins undefeated at the time, uh, was a bit of a phenom. Uh, so it's hard to know what to expect, but you obviously found out pretty early on that you were preparing for like a wrestling type match, or yeah, a guy that was good at wrestling. All I really knew was that he was a Greco freestyle wrestler from Japan, and I mean, as far as, you know, you can't take credit away from anyone. Um, you need to give them the respect, but 
you know, being a Japanese freestyle wrestler is nothing like being an American freestyle wrestler. Like in America, that's their sport. If I was fighting like a top five judo guy from Japan, then, you know, you, you got something to worry about. So I was pretty confident that my wrestling could match up against his if it needed to, and it did. Um, and he didn't have much of a striking game, just a classic wrestler. He had an overhand, um, also had a heavy overhand left, anything to set up the takedown was pretty much what he had. Um, but I wasn't really worried about the takedown, so it, it was a fight that worked out really well for me. And um, I felt like, given that he was a champ of another regional, um, or of a regional Japanese show, a long running one, that they were trying to build him. Um, and so essentially twice now I've been thrown in there for what I believe to, to have been, you know, um, fed to the wolves. So, yeah, so what was his name again? Koji Takeda. Yeah, Koji Takeda. Um, yeah, so definitely came in with, with certainly it was another, well, I think it was actually a good match made and obviously worked in your favour at the end of the day. Um, but what I saw, I actually saw the event live. Uh, I could see the difference in striking ability uh, was probably the main thing that just sticks out, and that's obviously what uh, where fights are won and lost. If you if you can strike and and uh, stay from being taken down by the by the wrestler, um, and you can sort of win those battles, land more strikes, land cleanly, that sort of thing is, is what uh, is what can separate, uh, uh, I guess. Um, an average great sort of mixed martial artist to a really really good one as well so what I've noticed there is certainly when, from what I saw your striking had improved um, with all the training that you've done at Compton's and, and your own sort of training. Yeah look I train over at Team Compton like three days a week we spar and one to two days a week especially when I've got a fight coming up at least two days a week I train over there with Steve. Um, I'm striking coach and it's like it's paid dividends over the last few years. Like I've been going there for nine years, but especially over the last few years when most of my fights, in the past, you know, I was kind of known for taking people down and ground and pound and submissions and stuff at a 60 or so percent win rate record with submissions alone. But I've never, but lately when people can sort of match that in that UFC sort of level and the other international competition, you've you may be forced to strike. And with those fights that tend to play on the feet, it's really become um, super important for me to develop that part of the game. Like I always have, but now I've been forced to use it. So I think um, when you're using it in competition, you tend to develop it a little bit more um, with that experience. So I've become more comfortable there and therefore I've been able to use the things that we've worked in the gym. Mm. Talking about gyms, this is where we are, we're out there at the base training centre. Now, this place a couple of months ago did not exist, so it's brand new, it's a brand new gym. Um, it's really the only well-known gym uh, in this area around Brendale, Albany Creek, Strathpine, Aspley. Um, it's, it's got everything here, so they started opening, they opened only just at the start of April, I believe, or around that sort of time. Um, Obviously, what what you we've got to understand about Damien. Damien not only is a is a great practitioner himself, but he's he's obviously very well versed a professional mixed martial artist, but an exceptional uh, coach as well, and has has uh, had some experience coaching um, other fighters in their corners. Uh, Aaron Blackie, uh, Ben Wynn, uh, being the coach in their corner. So, uh, coaching is, is obviously something that you felt that you bring a lot to the table 
this may be coming from your, uh, possibly from your army background. Tell us a bit about the coaching. Yeah, look, um, well, the army background to start with, so I was, uh, I was an infantry soldier, so I've done plenty of training, but then I was an army um, physical training instructor. Um, along with uh, one of the other coaches here, we work together, and he's my strength conditioning coach, so um, he does all Chad our- Gill. Yeah, Chad Gill. So he does, uh, he does all our fitness coaching and programming and stuff like that. Um, but I did probably like just under seven years in the army, and then I always had a desire to have my own gym. Initially it was um, CrossFit, functional fitness was, was the aim, and I was professionally fighting at the same time. Um, and then I think, you know, just as time went on, I realized that there's life after sport and um, I felt like in the last, so I, I'd always sort of wanted to coach and then it slowly became MMA, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, kickboxing, wrestling and CrossFit Functional Fitness. And I was like, I need to get into this. But probably in the last year or so, as I got a little bit older, I realized that um, I need something after fighting and, Working in corrections for the next 33 years didn't seem so appealing. You know what I mean? It's not its not the kind of job that gives you a great amount of satisfaction. So I'm the kind of person that's always done what's made me happy. And um, to me, it seemed like I would do my career as an athlete uh, um, huge injustice if I didn't go ahead and coach and pass on to the next generation. So with the passion behind me and the experience and skill, I felt like it was just the normal, like it was just the thing to do. It was the next um, natural progression in my career was to start coaching. And um, I felt like, you know, this year was the right time. Like if I got a couple of years left in fighting, it was me a couple of years to build up the team here. Um, so when I'm done fighting, it just takes over um, rather than stopping fighting and then going, oh, what next? So for me, um, it, yeah, it was a natural progression. And, you know, we put everything into this and build it up and um, I've got the right coaches around. So, you know, um, not one coach knows everything and I think any decent coach that's true to themselves will tell you that. Um, there's plenty of coaches out there that know a lot. Uh, that's why I've got the same coaches because I don't think I could even nearly scratch the surface of learning everything there is to learn from my coaches. So, but. We've got um, four different coaches here. There's myself, I'm the head coach, owner, and I do a lot of the coaching. Um, we also have the previously spoken one, Chad Gill. Um, he does our fitness coaching, functional fitness classes, and all our programming. And then he trains any of the athletes companies gym as well. Um, <clears throat> and then our jiu-jitsu coaches and MMA kickboxing coaches, we've got Zach Talbot. He's a black belt uh, in jiu-jitsu. He's 3-0 in MMA, hasn't competed for a while, focusing on jiu-jitsu at the moment. So he does a lot of sports jiu-jitsu competitions and combat jiu-jitsu competitions. Um, so it gives you a real sort of insight and a different mindset from his point of view on competing in sports jiu-jitsu, um, which obviously doesn't have strikes and stuff involved. But then he also has the understanding of how to compete if there is strikes. So, um, and then Aaron Black, he's a second degree black belt in judo, leader across you know, various locations across the world, represented Australia in judo, black belt in jiu-jitsu, and uh, you know, he's won eight out of his ten professional MMA fights, and in my opinion, he's the next big thing to come out of Australia, 
Um, so he, he coaches here on Tuesday nights, plus some other days here and there. Um, and he's a school teacher, so his ability to coach is different again. Like he, he has this, I guess, like an intellectual, he breaks it down to like an intellectual level. Like people walk out of this gym and they're like, man, his ability to capture the room is incredible. And I find myself sometimes sitting there watching, you know, like just sit behind the desk and I'm just watching him coach because it's, it's pretty impressive to see how he coaches. Um, but he's got definitely the skill and experience to back it up. And knowledge that he has at such a young age is incredible. And I like being honest with myself as well. The intensity that he has, um, you know, certainly brings a lot behind what he's teaching, if, if he's teaching, but also you can just see the passion and the intensity. Uh, well, 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 I think that's the key, right? Like, if, you, if you're not enjoying it, there's no point doing it. And all my coaches have like a passion for martial arts and a passion for fitness. And so they're not, they're not here. You know, like some people will go to a normal job to pick up a paycheck, but these guys genuinely love the sport and the martial arts culture and the martial arts lifestyle and, um, and, the, and the fitness lifestyle. And every single one of my coaches train and compete themselves. Um, even the, the fitness coach, Chad, like he competes in CrossFit. Yeah. Um, so every single one of my coaches actively compete, train daily and have a pure passion for, for martial arts and fitness. And I think that, that that comes across in their coaching. And that's, if you want to learn, and that's what you want to learn from. Yeah, so since you've opened the gym, um, obviously you've, had a, you've obviously had a, some starting numbers as far as um, getting some people through the door and some members, and um, online you're socially sharing, you see pictures of the classes happening from time to time, and you see that some of the talent that are here that are already training. Um, what, what do you think about the talent that you've been able to sort of start training here at the moment? Have you seen, um, like, a lot of, lot of uh, I guess, learning going on as far as what skills already getting developed at this early stage in, in the gym's history? Yeah, look, I've got a, you know, I think the thing is when you open a new gym in an area that doesn't have many gyms, you tend to attract people who have considered doing it and have never really had the opportunity. So. While I have good experience on my mats, I've seen purple belts and brown belts in jiu-jitsu, I've seen guys that have professional fights, both kickboxing and MMA. Um, but you do get a lot of new people to the sport. So a lot of our classes are based around basics, concepts, um, you know, a lot of beginner level stuff. And I think even for the experienced guys, they're, I've, I've found they're enjoying that. You know, they're enjoying just having fun and interacting with the people who are learning, you know, and, and seeing how happy those people are to be enjoying the journey. So I've seen that, and um, I've got a, you know, I've got a really good kids class here already. Um, got kids bouncing off the walls at 4:30 on Monday, Wednesday, Fridays. So that's pretty interesting for for me. You know, I've never I haven't done a lot of coaching with kids. Um, some of my other coaches have. Um, so that's that's a different sort of experience for me, but it's, I love it. It's it's really fun. And, you know, everyone's really enjoying it. So, yeah, we've. I guess like if someone's considering doing jiu-jitsu or any kind of MMA, now's the right time. You know, in a new gym with probably I would say seventy percent of my members, sixty to seventy percent of my members have never trained before. So it's a real good time to come in at that entry level with everyone who's. You know, you're not going to be the odd one out. Is what I'm trying to say. Like you go to a, a gym that's been around for ten years, you get a good experience level. 
and you feel like you're the one out. Yeah. Uh, if you come in here, you're going to be the same as everyone else to start with. Yeah. Um, I guess some people might ask you this, I'm not sure about myself, but what's the, the meaning behind this really cool uh, gorilla picture here? Um, where's the inspiration for that? And tell us, tell us any stories associated with this. First of all, I need to thank Steen Jones and um, Low Airbrush on Instagram, that's their names. Uh, check them out. Um, they're guys, uh, they're incredible artists. Um, and basically, Steve came in the train one day and I, I showed him the picture and I said, like, I want it on your wall. Yeah, and it was a gorilla. The, the gorilla with the, with the logo down the bottom, so it was all this. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he, he was thankfully, like, just honest and upfront, so it's not, it wasn't really his kind of art. Um, and you know, um, most artists stick to their roots and what they're good at. And so he contacted a friend of his and he jumped out. He couldn't wait to paint it. And then together they painted it. So, um, so that was really cool. How long did it take to paint? It took three days. Yeah. Um, wow, that's not very long, is it? They worked around the clock. Literally, they were here at like three o'clock in the morning. They worked all night. Um, they came in like on a Monday afternoon and they pretty much spent most of Monday night here and then they came back in for a bit on the Tuesday and then spent most of Tuesday night here and they finished up on a Wednesday and then um, basically the pictures from the internet um, but one of my one of my teammates and Jiu Jitsu Blackboard Dave Froke he shared it on his social media, social media and he put the affiliation logo at the bottom of it in the chair um, and yeah I just asked him if I could use it um, based training centers are obviously affiliated through Dan Higgins, who's a second degree black belt. Yep. And based here in Brisbane. Um, phenomenal head coach in MMA and like a wealth of knowledge. Uh, he's been around for a while, Dan. A true OG of MMA, fighting in Japan when he's still open like no holes barred. So he, he's my coach. And then Luis Tenuri and Ricardo Tank, uh, you know, um, Dan's coach and then Tenuri's coach. And so, under the Fabrice International team is, is where our gym's affiliated and that's our, that's our lineage. So that was put there as a representation of that. And um, I guess that was just, um, you know, to pay credit to where I learned my martial arts from. And so I've had a few different coaches over my time, but I spent, uh, well, I've had 31 professional fights now and 29 of them being under Dan. So, um, Predominantly, most of my career has been spent on the end, and um, you know, I've got my blue belt, purple belt, brown belt from him as well. So, um, start and finish the journey at the same place. So, yeah, that's that's basically what the logo means. It's the lineage for the jiu jitsu here in the school, um, and as my coach, then his coach, and then his coach's coach, and then the picture of the gorilla is literally it was just a picture, it doesn't have any real significance but um there's nothing beast there's nothing like more bad you know more terrifying than silverback so no it's it's pretty cool and obviously it's in a getty so it represents the jiu-jitsu with the um black belt on it yeah so yeah. that's what i boys did a phenomenal job like all the stuff around the bottom and uh, i don't know if you can see in the video but they continue well, to do a bit of walk we might do a bit of a tour there yeah, but that, that wasn't there. So the artists come in and it was just the picture. And they, they literally said, oh, I said, I want them to fade out a bit. And that's where the brown outfit came from. And then yeah. 
Oh, I said that all, like they asked me about the skulls, and I said, oh, you know, just enjoy it, just yeah. paint what you want, and then that's, that's what they came up with, so I'm um, super blessed to, one, have that lineage, and two, have this kind of artists and people that want to paint yeah. that picture for me, so yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah, so if you're obviously in, on the north, anywhere in North Brisbane, and you, and you obviously need to, um, you know, you'd like to sort of do a bit of training, yeah, find out a bit about uh, mixed martial arts. Um, Jiu-Jitsu, they do it here at uh, 6 o'clock every day, Monday to Friday, I believe. Yeah. Um, so I've done a Jiu-Jitsu class here, uh, run by Damien, uh, and Wynn was there as well. Um, but the, yeah, that's just, that's fun, a lot of different techniques that you learn, uh, different uh, chokes, positions, uh, gi and no gi. Um, you know, it's Jiu-Jitsu, it's not so much, I guess it's not really a flavour of the month, it's been around for forever and a day um, since the days of Hoist Gracie uh, back in UFC 1 uh, Jiu Jitsu, that's where it sort of became I guess uh, a global, global stream and obviously it's sort of evolved over time from there um, So I guess the question is, I guess, what are you sort of, you're looking at getting back and uh, getting another fight this year, do you think, uh, for mixed martial arts? Yeah, um, we're currently negotiating with, well, in talks with a couple of different promotions and obviously I'd like to go back to Ryzen because I absolutely love Japan and the way that people treat me there and the promotion itself. Um, you know, so I'm hoping to get back there and a draw by start of August for my next fight. And in the meantime, I was focused on this place. So, you know, it's, um, it's a pretty good time in my life. <laughs> like my gym is really going well. And, is going well, and, yeah. So, pretty exciting. Yeah, um, well, actually, something that's become—it's uh, always been around, I guess. But I've spoken to, seen it, a few people talk about it. Is is the keto diet? Is that something you get into with the part of the dieting that you do when you get ready for a final um, gym? What, what do you think of no, keto? Really. Um, look, I, I think I think for the for the most part. If you change your diet and consistently stick to whatever you're using, you'll get results. Yep. So, everyone looks for the perfect diet that's going to give them the perfect results. So the, the truth is, everyone's body responds to something different. So, ketone might work for one person, but it won't work for another. Um, and I, I just think that's normal. Um, but I think, like, you could take a four week meal plan out of a muscle and fitness mode, and if you change what you're doing, and you're the top person, obviously if you're already a bodybuilder that's a little bit of a different story, if you're already like an athlete it's a different story, but for the average person who wants to lose weight or, or um, just change their lifestyle, I think for the most part, if you just followed that plan and only followed that plan, you would still get results. Yeah. Um, if you want to get bigger results and more accurate results, then you get a dietitian or a nutritionist. Um, so, come back to the question, um, for me, for fighting, I, I guess we, I go through different stages of what each diet would be based on what my nutritionist tells me. So, um, Jordan Sullivan, a fight dietitian, who's not just a dietitian for fighters and athletes, despite the name, he, um, he works with everyone. Um, he works with some of my family, some of my members here. Um, but, you know, I go through different stages. Uh, low fat, high fat, low carb, high carb no carb, intermittent fasting, which is obviously a big one. Yeah. Um, there's a certain part in my in my um, eight-week fight camp where we fast 
So yeah, I, I guess it's a mixture of everything because it comes from a professional nutritionist who works with professional athletes to get the best results. So, but um, yeah, I, I just think that you could really use any kind of diet and you'll get some result from it. Um, but there's a point where you need to get one that works for you. Yeah, no, that's a pretty good answer there, Damien. So, yeah, so next fight, you're also looking at talking with some couple of emotions I'd like to stick to Ryzen. Um, and then, so with Ryzen at the moment, is it, how many different events have they got for the rest of the year, you know? Um, I, I wouldn't know the dates off the top of my head, but they got one in July, one in August, one in October. I don't think they got one in September. So July, August, October, and then they got two events on New Year's Eve. There's rumours they're going to run a Grand Prix, uh, lightweight Grand Prix, which is your weight class, which no one really knows if it's eight man or sixteen man. Um, you know, we feel like as long as we sign a new contract, we'll probably slot into that. But um, you know, winning is going to be the key. Like if I get another fight between now and the Grand Prix starts, then obviously a loss in that is not going to help my chances. So um, yeah, <coughs> you know, every fight you want to win anyway, but. Um, We'll see what happens, but I would like to fight July, October, and New Year's Eve. So three times you can get you can fit three more fights in this year. Yeah, for sure. Most of their Grand Prix uh, run where the semi-final and final is either the same night or two nights apart. Um, so they'll have a card on the 29th of December and another one on the 31st. So if that was the case and I got in the Grand Prix and made the final, then I'll probably fight four more times this year. So. Um, I'm happy, so, I'm happy just to keep fighting and stay active as long as I don't know injuries. Yeah, so I mean, 30 fight career, as, as you said before, um, you get to this point where you've had, you've been in a few wars and you've been in that many fights. How does the body feel, you know, a couple of months after the fight now? Does it still, does it sort of feel, does it feel okay, normal? Um, does it, or, or are there parts of the body that have you sometimes are lingering with, with some pain or injuries? Um, I think. Well, I think, like in general, like as you get older, things start to feel a bit stiff and a bit sore. And then when you throw in fighting with it, plus a career in the army, um, especially as an infantry soldier with all that load bearing and stuff, I think it's just natural that you're going to get sore. But uh, how much you let it affect you mentally and physically is up to you. Um, physically, maybe not so much, it's just going to happen. But mentally, I mean, you know, I don't let anything beat me. I've got a soldier's mentality. Um, and it, it wouldn't matter whether I was sore in the morning. I just tell myself all the time I've done my 15 minute warm up, I'll be able to move anyway. So I just kind of grind through the warm up, and then by the time I've done that, I feel good. Mm. Um, an hour later, I might not, but I feel, <laughs> feel pretty good while I'm working out, and then I get my results. So I just think that um, the minute you stop, you let it beat up. Um, and so. You know, I, I get some bumps and bruises, but nothing more than anyone else, and I look after my body. I eat reasonably good uh, in between fight camps. I follow all my coaches' advice during fight camps. Um, I do plenty of mobility and work, and you know, I get all my massage and physio and stuff like that as well. So I, I, I look after my body, I feel pretty good. I just get bumps and bruises from the actual fight. Um, the last few years have been pretty horrendous for injuries and surgeries, but 
the last two fights, I pulled up really well without an injury at all. I had no injury from New Year's Eve, and then besides a, a corked leg, I had nothing from the last fight either. In fact, the last fight I begged, I begged them to put me on the cards on this weekend, and that was only six weeks ago, so um, I felt really good, and I wanted a quick turnaround, but we didn't get it, so it's pretty hard to get a quick turnaround when you're off contract, Yeah, but it's always worth a try. No, and that's something you definitely do you want to to call the action where you can and it's part of the process I guess. So if we sort of uh, digress, um, obviously the, uh, the premier organisation, the UFC, um, uh, fighting for them was obviously probably a highlight when it comes to a mixed martial arts career. Uh, not easy to get into the UFC, not easy to stay in the, U in, in the UFC. But what is your sort of feeling of where the, where the UFC's current direction is going? Well, I mean, it's owned by an entertainment company. Like it's, it was always going to go that way. Like the people, the people that used to have it, the Fatita brothers and, and Dana White, the three owners that used to have it, they they had a passion for the game. You know, they were sportsmen, they were promoters. They had a, a passion for that. The people that bought it bought it as an investment. Well, WM ING, they're they're an entertainment company who bought the UFC as an investor, okay, they bought it as a business, that was it. They don't care about fights. They care about the turnover, the income, the numbers. Yeah, they care about the numbers. And so I think uh, the way it's going was inevitable. It was always going to go that way. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's just weird, like, I always thought even before they bought it, like the emphasis on records as opposed to um, actual, um, like, how exciting was. Yeah, like, like they had this big emphasis on if you were undefeated or if you were on like a <coughs> six, seven, eight, five win streak with a 70 to 30 ratio of wins losses, like they had this. That's big emphasis on it. You know, it wasn't uncommon for the ultimate fighter to have the tryouts and to be told, "Hey guys, if you don't get in, you know, it might just be a record. Go away and get a few more wins." And that breeds in that padded record culture. Um, so locally, that costs a lot of people. Like, there's a lot of good fights to be made in Australia. There's a lot of top athletes in Australia who want to get to the UFC, mm -hmm. so they won't fight each other. Yeah. So not only does it affect the UFC entertainment value of the fights, it also affects local MMA. Yeah, definitely. Um, because everyone wants to get in the UFC because it really is the highlight of someone's mixed martial arts career and it's it's the um, the pinnacle of the sport. Um, but I, I felt before the entertainment group came along and bought the UFC that a lot of fights are fought stylistically based on winning, not based on Finishing fights, um, you know, and like I've gone for hours, like you've got to yeah. show money <coughs> and win money. Yeah, I mean, if, if you need to be paid twice your money to win, mm. like there's something wrong, you're in the wrong game. Mm. No one wants to lose in front of millions of people, no one wants to lose in general. Mm. That's not the that's not like the alpha male thing to do. So, all fighters are out there to win. Um, the only reason why the pay structure is the way it is is because. On one of the two athletes, the UFC saved fifty percent of their output. So um, it's made to favour the promotion, not the fighter, mm. and it's made out as if <coughs> it's there to motivate the fighter to win. But that's actually rubbish. 
Five shouldn't need motivation to win, and if they do, they need to get through tire. Because losing sucks. Yeah. And that's all the motivation you need. But yeah, I just think that because of that, there was already people going away from their natural way of fighting. They would fight for points to win. Um, so you got less finishes, and then when the entertainment group took over, then you started getting the Conor McGregor's and other people following his suit. He did it very, he did it very natural, and 99% of the time it was fun to watch. But there's a lot of guys that kind of followed suit, and it wasn't so natural, and it looks cheap and nasty. Um, and, and they did it because they get paid better. Um, because that's that's where the entertainment went. The entertainment should be in the fights, not in yeah. the lead-off. Yeah, I agree. That's it's an interesting times ahead in mixed martial arts with with that. But you've also got a lot of other you know very well-known promotions all around the world uh, with, with the likes of Bellator, uh, with Ryzen, as we've been talking about, One um, FC. Uh, Cage Warriors, all these different other promotions that are, that are out there that are sort of certainly well known. PFL's a fairly new one that um, uh, they're making a big song and dance about on ESPN. Most song of ESPN, yeah. So um, they've been able to secure an ESPN deal, same, same as what the UFC did, Dana White. So um, obviously somebody in the PFL has, has done something right. And then, then you've got other things that are coming out like bare knuckle boxing. I mean, that's a bit, bit crazy. No one thought, I mean, I didn't think 12 months ago, whatever it was, that bare knuckle boxing would be where, you know, people that get cut from the UFC go and, and fight and, and try to make some money. But we've seen at least uh, half a dozen instances of that already. Um, and it looks like a brutal sport, um, but we're not using that too many, you know, all-rounded mixed martial arts skills. And these are mixed martial arts fighters for, for most of them. Well, I think the thing with bare knuckle boxing is it attracts the mixed martial arts ex-UFC fighters who would have 10 years ago been signed by the UFC for entertainment purposes but because they fight the way they fight they lose to people who points fight and therefore they get cut so they go to bare knuckle boxing because you get the entertainment value out of it if you put the it's same matchups with bare knuckle boxing in the UFC and said to them here's 30 grand each there's no win bonus here's 30 grand each and neither of these will be cut for losing they're gonna fight the rust off, you're gonna get the best fight you've ever seen. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's why they're going to bare knuckle boxing. Plus, bare knuckle boxing is not, um, it's not just boxing. Like, being a tech, like you could be a mixed martial artist and fight a technical boxer, and you're not necessarily gonna lose because um, bare knuckle boxing has clinches, so you can hold the back of the head and throw up the cuts. So you, you can, can do, do a tight, you can do a tight clinch with an uppercut. Yeah, like a tie clinch with boxing, whereas in boxing that's illegal. Yeah. So that's where the boxers get caught out when they fight a mixed martial artist. They get in on the inside and they clinch up, so they hold them in there and dirty box. And that's where a mixed martial artist is strong. Dirty boxing on the inside where they would normally wrestle and clinch. So it's kind of interesting, but it's pretty crazy at the same time. I mean, a lot of guys are ending up with four, five, six cuts across the faces. Easy. Yeah. They're cutting their knuckles open and halfway up their hands. Like, yeah. Like, do you see um, it's, 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 it's obviously a, a start, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a fad, maybe. Um, do you see this being around in three years' time to, to the degree that it started out now? Um, well, I, I really don't know. Like, uh, it's. Well, it's in Florida next, and originally their first few shows were just in, uh, um, I can't remember, is it Wyatt, 
And so that's where it started, so everyone just thought it would stay there. But yeah. then they had like one in Mexico, in Cancun, Mexico, and then they went somewhere else recently. And then the next one's in Florida. Well, so, yeah. Um, yeah, it seems it seems like it's getting momentum. Um, so I'm not sure whether it'll be around three years or whether it'll be as big as it is. It seems kind of brutal. And I guess like in a way, like you, you kind of wonder how it gets up. I mean, there was such a big fuss around MMA and the UFC getting sanctioned in certain states. Like for, for years, they they fought, and fought, and fought for it to get into New York. Mm-hmm. When they finally passed the bill for it to get approved, it seems weird they'll go all the way back to no gloves boxing mm-hmm. um, and sanctioning. So yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just not sure. I think if if it's not around, it'll be because 90% of commissions have killed it. Not because people have stopped watching it. Yeah, I mean, UFC had that similar. I mean, they had a, a process in the early days where you couldn't put it on anywhere and it became, it took a while, as you said. Yeah, well, they had to go away setting rules, you know, yeah. that's why the four ounce gloves came in because you can grapple in them, they're padded, so it looks yeah. like they're wearing gloves. Um, and then you had to wear shorts and they brought in all the different rules, you know, no headbutting, no eye gathering, no groin strikes. They were all allowed at the start and you could wear whatever you wanted. You could wear one glove or no gloves and didn't have to wrap your hands. So it was proper no holds barred underground fighting kind of thing. Um, and they had to bring rules in for it to meet like sanctioning standards yeah. and televised standards. Um, and that's how, that's how it built. So it seems like being up the boxing goes all the way back to the start of that, so it really does. I find it hard how we get traction, but it seems to be at the moment. For now, yeah. Okay, I guess um, I might just look at wrapping this podcast up, I guess, uh, pretty soon, but is there any, any sort of uh, final thoughts on the gym, mixed martial arts in general, uh, any sort of other things that you want to have a chat about? Um, I think mixed martial arts sort of does its thing these days. It's, it's definitely building and getting bigger around the world, but... Um, It'd be nice to see people sort of, if you have a passion for it, just pop down to a local show and support it. Um, that's grassroots MMA, it's, it's kind of like kids football, it's, it's where it all starts and if you don't support that then, you know, people don't make it. Um, but, uh, you know, the gym, obviously, we, you know, we run a 14 day free trial, so if people want to come out and try it, they can come out and try it. You don't need any equipment for Jiu-Jitsu, just wear a pair of shorts with, uh, with no zippers and metal parts on them. And, and wear a shirt and come in and try, try on jiu-jitsu or try our fitness classes as well, just a pair of shoes and, um, you know, we, we've got a point of difference. We've got experienced coaches who have a passion for the sport um, and our jiu-jitsu has a, a really good mix from combat self-defense aspect through sports jiu-jitsu. I think we really embrace um, how jiu-jitsu started and why Jiu-Jitsu started, and we really embrace that here. Mm-hmm. Jiu-Jitsu originally started, you know, tens of years ago because of self-defense. There was strikes in Jiu-Jitsu. It's been watered down for, for the sport aspect, but um, 
you know, we really embrace that. And I teach martial arts for self-defense and not just combat sports. So I think if people want that, they should come down and check it out. Yeah. No, excellent. Um, you obviously do one. You do one-on-ones as well as group training as well. Yeah. So uh, we got personal training here. Um, I do personal training for all martial arts and fitness, and Chad also does um, personal training. So we do thirty-minute or sixty-minute sessions. Yep. We have six o'clock till seven o'clock in the morning jiu-jitsu, five days a week, and uh, gay jiu-jitsu on Thursdays at six. We have a shower, we have a toilet, so everyone can get changed and head off to work in the mornings. Um, we have kids' classes in the afternoons, three days a week, and then we run jiu-jitsu and striking yep. five nights a week with wrestling, uh, freestyle wrestling focused on uh, Friday night, mm. and we have an open night on Saturdays. Yeah, no, it's definitely, um, I, I, love, I love supporting uh, Damien and, and his activities in mixed martial arts. Uh, ever since I sort of met you, I've been a supporter, um, been there sort of on the sidelines cheering on as well. Uh, so it's great to not only cheer, you know, chip down the sidelines and cheer, uh, you know, your fighting career, uh, which is which is really really good, and, and going to the events to watch that, uh, supporting those, um, and sponsor, but also um, you know supporting, you know, I guess the opening of this particular gym as well, and trying to get trying to get it out there and get it well known around the place, and you know, we've had I've had some. My cousins had a couple of kids that have joined up here, so they, they're going really, really well. So uh, thank you very much, Damien. Uh, it's been great to catch up. This has been the return episode of Damien Beatdown Brown, uh, episode 48 from From the Valley Podcast, here on Wednesday, the 29th of May. Thank you. I'll just add one more thing. We do offer, as a, as a soldier that's had and dealt with PTSD, yep. we do offer military emergency services and Queensland Corrections discounts. And we support veterans and anyone else that dealt with PTSD. And I feel like it's important in our environment. We don't, even though we have professional fighters, we don't have that elitism and separation. Everyone's equal in our gym. And uh, I think that we've got that in our culture already. And that um, if people are thinking about doing martial arts or using it for a physical or mental, uh, you know, stress reliever, then this is a place to go. So. Okay. Well, we'll do have a bit of a look around. I should do a bit of a camera. Just to show what the gym actually looks like. But look at that. It's got those uh, <coughs> boxing bags. You've got all the matting down here. There's a little drinks area, some t shirts on the wall. Base training center, the gorilla, as we saw. The weights all in the background. These are all brand new. This is all brand new equipment. Um, all those weights there. And you've got the uh, row machines, and these are the um, the uh, like the power bikes. What do you call these things? No, they make power spear. These bikes. There are uh, assault bikes. Um, probably one of the best pieces of fitness equipment you could ever have. Um, they are they're awesome for your fitness and health and lifestyle, but they're horrible at the same time. Um, there's a reason why old school boxing gyms have these these bikes. And that's because they're um, the best piece of equipment you can get alongside a rower, so. Excellent. Okay, we'll wrap it up. Thank you very much.